0: February 1st, 1922, Los Angeles, California. After an evening of drinks and conversation, movie director William Desmond Taylor walks actress Mabel Normand to her car, and then he walks back to his front door slowly. Gun? No. It sounded like a car backfire. Well, it came from over there, from Taylor's home. At 8 p.m., neighbors heard a loud noise they believed to be a nearby car. In reality, it's the sound of the gunshot that took Taylor's life and sent Hollywood into a frenzy of speculation and intrigue. The police begin questioning the people nearest to Taylor, and each suspect seems to play a strange part in this Hollywood who-done-it. Let's solve the mystery of the silent star murder. They say you cannot escape history. But through the ages, some stories have slipped through the cracks. Join me as we thumb through the pages of the past. Tales of crime, passion, and murder. (laughs) Stories from history without an ending. At least, not yet. These are the mysteries from the past. It's 1922, and one of Hollywood's earliest silent film stars named William Desmond Taylor found himself playing the role of victim in a murder which would rock Hollywood to its very core. Taylor was one of Paramount Studios' most respected directors, making Tom Sawyer, Anne of Green Gables, and Huckleberry Finn. Let's start on the night of the murder where Mabel Normand and Desmond Taylor are having a few cocktails at Taylor's Los Angeles Bungalow. Another drink, Mabel dear? Of course, Desi. Rocks? Give it to me straight this time. Slow down, Mabel. There's a speed limit in this state. Ooh! You are looking gorgeous tonight. Why, thank you, Desi. You could say Taylor and Mabel were very close. Were they playing the role of lovers? Possibly. But for now, we know that Taylor was shot after Mabel left his home in her car. After hearing a loud noise, one of Taylor's neighbors, Faith McLean, tells police she saw a figure walking away from Taylor's bungalow.
1: How old did he look? Oh, I don't know. I couldn't see their face. Could it be
0: Taylor's former butler, Edward Sands? Edward Sands was a destitute World War I veteran who worked for Taylor. Taylor had given him money, and Sands showed his gratitude by stealing $5,000 from Taylor. So Taylor called the police on him. Did Sands kill Taylor for calling the police? Leading up to the murder, Taylor had been stalked with strange phone calls late at night. Hello? Hello? Who is this? Sands, is that you?
1: Oh no, that wasn't Edward Sands. I know what Edward looked like. It wasn't him. I'm positive. Is there anything you could tell us about this man that stuck out? A limp, perhaps? Something that might help us find him? Well, let me think now. No, not really. Oh, wait. I will tell you this. He was not panicked. He was very calm. A little too calm, if you
0: ask me. Thanks, Tao. Sands was a shady character, but he was signed in for work at a lumberyard in Oakland the day of the murder. Soon after the murder, Sands disappeared. Back to our first suspect, Mabel. We know that Mabel was the last known person to see Taylor alive, and probably not the one who pulled the trigger. But who was the calm man at Taylor's front door after the gunshot? And are they connected to Mabel in any way? We'll get there, but let's investigate the person who found Taylor's dead body. That man was Henry Peavy, Taylor's valet. Peavy worked for Taylor for six months prior to Taylor's murder in 1922. At 7.30 the next morning, PV arrives at Taylor's bungalow. Morning, Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor. Wake up. He turns Taylor's body over. Mr. Taylor? Mr. Taylor!
1: Ah!
0: What PV does next... Does not add up. When Peavy finds Taylor's dead body on the floor, Henry Peavy supposedly lets out a blood-curdling scream and runs out of the house to call for help. But the first people to be called aren't the police. Palmas Studios. This is Charles Eitan. We got a problem, Mr. Eitan. Peavy. Instead of calling the LAPD, Peavy calls Paramount Studio representative Charles Eaton, where Taylor had been under contract. Charles Eaton and two other men wearing trench coats and hats are the first on the scene. They immediately set to work cleaning up the house. Look at this mess. Throw out those liquor bottles and burn those letters. Let's clean this place up quickly, boys. It's also alleged that the Paramount people confiscate all of Taylor's personal letters and straighten up the room. Peavy shows the Paramount men out, leaving just William Desmond Taylor's lifeless body on the floor. You did the right thing by calling us first, Peavy. Now, call the police. Yes, sir, Mr. Aiton. By the time the police arrive, it is nearly impossible to tell what has transpired at the scene from the evidence at hand. A doctor inspects Taylor's murdered body and makes his diagnosis. Anything you can tell us, Doctor? Well, Detective, this man died of natural causes. Turn the body over.
1: This man was shot in the back. Officer, where is that doctor? I don't know. He's gone. We'll find him! Now!
0: One of the great mysteries of the Taylor murder case involves a strange doctor who police met at the scene of the crime. Nobody ever identified the mysterious doctor. If he was a doctor, it's hard to believe he could have misdiagnosed the bullet holes as a probable cause of death, don't you think? It is not likely that Peavy killed his boss, Taylor, but his actions after he discovered the body do cast him in a strange light. Peavy had been deeply indebted to Taylor and he had no alibi for the night of the murder. Henry Peavy and Edward Sands are still suspects, but remember our last eyewitness, Mabel Normand? It's time to take a look at her and see what we find. When police arrive at the crime scene after Peavy finally called them, they stumble upon someone upstairs, rummaging through Taylor's drawers in an effort to retrieve personal letters. Freeze! Who are you? Uh, uh, Mabel Norman, officer. What are you doing here? I, uh, I... Mabel returned to the scene of the crime to collect letters she had written to Taylor. Although her behavior seems illogical, Mabel would eventually be dismissed as a suspect. But police did uncover a dark secret about Mabel that might explain the calm man Faith McLean saw standing at Taylor's front door the night of the murder. Although there were rumors of an affair, Police uncover that Taylor had helped Mabel battle her drug addiction. Mabel was part of the fast crowd in Hollywood. When Taylor became an outspoken crusader against drugs in Hollywood, he made quite a few enemies who may have wanted to silence him. Did the drug dealers of Hollywood send a hitman to kill Taylor? In the days following Taylor's murder, police questioned some local underground thugs but found nothing to validate the Hitman theory. But in a twist straight out of a Hollywood love story, police began to question another young Hollywood actress with evidence they found at Taylor's bungalow. Hey, detective, come look at what I found. Blonde hairs. Hairs. Nice. Chief, better read this love note addressed to Taylor. Mary Miles Minter. Real nice. Well, boys, let's go see if Mary's a blonde. Taylor had replaced Mabel Normand in his movies with a new leading lady in Mary Miles Minter. He made her a star, and she fell in love with him. Mary had repeatedly thrown herself at Taylor, but he had turned her down. Mabel would also state that she and Taylor were never romantic. Did Taylor turn down these young, beautiful women because he had a secret of his own? Mary Miles Minter had threatened suicide over Taylor's rebuffs, and she had access to her mother's 38 caliber pistol, the same caliber of weapon that killed Taylor. In fact, Mary's not the only potential owner of the blonde hair. Her mother, Charlotte Shelby, is also a blonde. And it was known around town that Charlotte did not like Taylor. It's time for Charlotte's close-up. Shelby was a classic, overprotective stage mother, a failed actress who felt threatened by older directors wooing her pretty daughter. One night, months before his murder, there was a knock on Taylor's door. Evening Charlotte, what could I do for you?
1: Listen, Taylor, I found those love letters you've been writing my daughter. Put down the gun, Charlotte. If I ever catch you hanging around my daughter, I'll shoot you.
0: Mary had one of the biggest contracts in Hollywood at the time, and Charlotte stood to lose a substantial amount of dough if Mary ran off with Taylor and kept her own money. Charlotte did everything in her power to keep them separated. The day before the murder, mother and daughter had a heated argument regarding Taylor, and Charlotte locked Mary in her room. Where was Charlotte that fateful night? Charlotte Shelby, where were you the night of William Desmond Taylor's murder?
1: The night of poor Billy's death. I was with actor Carl Stockdale.
0: Is that right, Mr. Stockdale? Yes, sir. Charlotte was with me between the hours of 7.30 and 9.30 p.m. I guess that's a wrap for Charlotte Shelby. Or is it? Rumors spreads around Tinseltown that the man seen on Taylor's porch was Charlotte Shelby dressed in men's clothing. It was also discovered years later that Charlotte Shelby paid actor Carl Stockdale $200 a month for the rest of his life. Why? And the DA who finally questioned Shelby about the Taylor murder was brought down years later by corruption charges. Time to take a look at the murdered body of Taylor and see if the forensic evidence further implicates Shelby. Taylor was shot at very close range, maybe two to three inches from the body. The bullet entered his left side around the elbow, went up his chest, and almost exited at the neck. It was found that the bullet hole in the vest did not match the entry hole in the jacket. That's because Taylor's arms were raised. Was Taylor embracing his killer? Given the angle of the entrance bullet, the person had to be very short in height, around five foot tall. It's hard to conceive that Charlotte, known for her dislike of Taylor, could get that close to him. What other blonde bombshell could get this close to Taylor? Close enough for a hug. Five foot two inches Mary Miles Minter is who? We know Mary loved Taylor and had access to her mother's 38 caliber gun. Mary's sister, Margaret, testified that on the night of the murder, Mary escaped from her bedroom where her mother had locked her in and went to Taylor's with the gun. Remember when we said that Taylor had a secret? Well, there were rumors around town that Taylor liked to hang out in what they called queer places was the fact that Taylor was a closet homosexual enough to send Mary over the edge here's what we think around 7.30pm Mabel Norman leaves Taylor's apartment minutes later an emotional Mary Miles Minter shows up at Taylor's home what are you doing here Mary I love you Desmond I love you Mary calm down they embrace. Make love to me, Desmond. I can't, Mary. She presses the gun against Taylor's side. I know I can. not The three blonde hairs found on Taylor's jacket are compared with hairs from Mary's hairbrush taken from Paramount Studios. And they were found to be identical. But wait, 42 years later, Los Angeles, October 21st, 1964. An elderly woman lay dying in her bed. A Catholic priest is called to her bedside to hear her last confession. Amen. Are you ready to make your last confession?
1: Yes, father, I am. I shot William Desmond Taylor.
0: Margaret Gibson, a film actress of the silent era who worked with Taylor confessed to his murder on her deathbed in 1964. Soon after Taylor's death, she fled the country. Margaret was also a blonde. Taylor was a larger-than-life figure, his tragic death made for a dramatic Hollywood exit that still fascinates. It was rumored that Taylor was a gay man in love with George Hopkins. One could only speculate if that secret had anything to do with his murder. What were the fates of our suspects, you might wonder? Edward Sands, the former servant, was found dead in Connecticut from an apparent suicide. Henry Peavy, the servant who found Taylor's dead body, who claimed Mabel Norman was the killer in 1930, died of syphilis in 1931. Mary Miles Minter would shoot two more films for Paramount after the murder, and then Paramount dropped her. Her career never recovered. As for her mother, almost 20 years after the murder, the Los Angeles District Attorney concluded that there wasn't enough evidence to indict Charlotte Shelby. Mabel Norman would return to acting, but not for long. In 1930, at the age of 36, Mabel died from tuberculosis. On her deathbed, she whispered,
1: I wonder who shot poor
0: Bill. We may never know who killed William Desmond Taylor. Who do you think played the role of murderer in this Hollywood mystery that might never get its close up?